The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday, September 15th, 2016 edition of The Sheila Zielinski Show. I broadcast weekdays on WINB and soon to be back on WWCR in October. Going to a different schedule in October, you want to be tuning in for that. And of course, you can find out more ways to listen by going to the listen page at weekendvigilante.com. I am getting a lot of fantastic feedback on those customized apps. They're customized for you, the listeners. You can take the show on the go and of course the podcast MixLR is the daily show, how to listen live. And of course, you have iTunes, iHeartRadio, and all that litany of other avenues. So check out the listen page at WeekendVigilante.com. And I'm going to remind people that this broadcast is 100% listener-funded, uncut, unbiased, unplugged, and it is not an infomercial. You will not hear advertising on this show. What a concept. So hey, if you are eating the meat of the show... I would ask that you would get behind it financially. So listen, I have an incredible show today, an absolutely gut-wrenching case here. I've been wanting to have this duo on my show for a while to shed light on an absolutely incredible story. It is certainly a story that deserves a lot of light shone on it. And my guests today are Rudy Davis and Maria Rensel. Maria Rensel, she is the founder and executive director of Interior Alaska Conservative Coalition, the active grassroots effort in Alaska, of course, Tea Party. She was at the Utah Air National Guard. She's got just a fantastic bio, ran for the Alaska Constitution Party for lieutenant governor, and she's on my show to talk about a name that you probably haven't heard, Schaefer Cox. They've heard of him up in Alaska, but you probably haven't heard that name and we're going to tell you why. She is joined by my friend Rudy Davis, activist in Texas. You might remember him and his wife, Erin Davis, from the Kent Hovind trial. We all need an incredible Christian activist and friend in our life like Rudy and Erin Davis. Well, let's start with you, Rudy. Introduce Maria, and let's get into the show. Welcome. No, thank you very much, Sheila. I really, really appreciate you uh, allowing us to talk about the story of Schaefer Cox. There are so many people that abandon our brothers once the state labels them a criminal. And uh, I think that's what's happened, like you said, to Ken Hoven when Ken Hoven spent nine years in prison as an innocent man. And uh, they tried to put him in prison for the rest of his life. Many of you may remember that. And uh, I believe the same thing is happening right now to Schaefer Cox, who I believe is completely innocent of all the charges that have been levied against him. And uh, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk about his story, to bring others up to speed. And I think it's uh, worth everybody's time. I think um, there's so many aspects to his story and there's so much evil that has come against this man. I believe he is a bright, shining light that was given to the body of Christ. And, and uh, it's, a, it's just a shame that so many have abandoned him once, uh, once he was labeled a criminal. But once you look into the matter, uh, I believe he's completely innocent. Not only was he innocent. He was actually effectively fighting uh, what I consider an illegal coup of the American government. Uh, he was fighting tyranny, and he was uh, standing up for the constitutional values, standing up for the Second Amendment. He was holding our justice system and our law enforcement systems accountable, and he had solutions to a lot of problems that we're dealing with today. So 
I certainly appreciate the opportunity, Sheila. It's a, it, it's you've been a huge, huge uh, a beacon of light in a world of darkness, and we appreciate the opportunity to speak about him. You know, uh, what is just a radio show, or maybe just a, a few minutes of airtime uh, for some. This is a chance at life for Schaefer Cox. He he goes to sleep in prison. It's not just a regular prison either, Sheila. It's a CMU prison. And uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but I would ask everyone to educate themselves about communications management unit prisons. He wakes up in prison and he's been separated from his family for over six years now. And uh, I would like to introduce uh, Maria, Maria Patricia. She has been a friend of Schaefer's for over six years. She knew uh, Schaefer even before he was uh, thrown in prison. And if any of us get thrown in prison and the feds illegally and unjustly target us, and label us as criminals, may we all have such a good friend as Maria. She has stuck by uh, Schaefer. She has not been a fair weather friend. Uh, she has stuck by him and uh, supported him throughout all of this. And she has been in this fight a lot longer than uh, most of us. And she's also aware of like a lot of the things that have gone on in the Alaska community and in, in the state of Alaska. And so um, I, I want to say not only thank you to Sheila for giving us the platform to speak about Schaefer Cox, but I want to offer a sincere and heartfelt thank you to Maria, uh, because I know that she's been in this fight and she has been speaking up for Schaefer for a long, long time. And uh, she is a true friend to Schaefer and the family. And uh, Maria, uh, I don't know what else to say about it, about you, except I love you and I'm grateful for what you've done. And I'm grateful for everything to help bring us up to speed in uh, learning more about Schaefer Cox's case. Maybe uh you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement uh, with uh, Schaefer Cox and why you think it's important that everybody know about him. Well, thank you, Rudy. I love you guys, too, uh, you and your wife, Erin. And thanks very much, Sheila. I really appreciate this forum because you have such a huge audience to get the word out. I live in Fairbanks, and I was an activist along with Schaefer in 2008, before the Tea Party movement actually started in the United States and um, so we got together and we started something that was kind of like a precursor to a tea party called the Interior Alaska Conservative Coalition and we just wanted to erase all the party lines figure out what it was that we could do to restore the liberty in the country so that was my experience with the beginnings of how I met Schaefer and his wife they were a very very bright, sharp, young couple that was interested in restoring liberty in the country. Shaver had run for for the uh, state house in our district here in Fairbanks, and he just about took out the incumbent. Young guy, he was 23 years old, and he um, really laid the groundwork well for his campaign. He was talking about the Fed before I knew that it was a private banking cartel. He was basically, you know, not concerned about party lines and he just wanted to um, figure out where, which direction to go with the country. So after he, he lost that political race, he wasn't slowing down. He wasn't just going to wait two years till he could run for office again. He started really thinking about what is it we need to do and how do we come together and make a community of people that care about the country. So that was the beginning of, of what happened. And so that's probably why I'm here so that I can tell you I, I saw the whole thing firsthand. There's no way you can see something like this happen to somebody you're associated with and not be horrified and not continue 
to just shed light on it until such time as he's released and the, and the prison gates are open and he comes home. You know, it just seems to be that there's a real agenda to keep this man suppressed. And I think that's the really disturbing part of this. If one of us was swatted off, I mean, I've actually been SWAT teamed in the middle of the street in Vancouver. So I know all about being thrown in a jail cell and not being released. And it's a very, I'm going to tell you, firsthand experience. You just feel totally helpless. And it's crickets chirping from your Christian pals when, like you said, Rudy, we saw what happened with Kent Hovind. Now, I want to get very detailed information on exactly where he's being held, what's going on, what their actual charges are, and and really delve into this because I really want to paint a picture of how this man ended up, and especially for a guy that's been thrown in solitary confinement, the limited phone calls, I mean, it just boils my blood. So I really want to delve into the, the details here. Hey, amen, amen, Sheila. And um, let, let me paint a picture back in, I think it was 2010, 2012 area. And uh, there was a concentrated effort by the Department of Justice against uh, various political enemies of the Obama administration. And when I refer to an illegal coup that has taken over America. I'm not exaggerating. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. I believe that Obama is ineligible to hold that office of president of the United States. He's not a natural born citizen. And I believe that he's also put out a forged birth certificate regarding whether he might have been born in Kenya or not. Uh, he, put, he even his own self and Breitbart released this information just before he died of a heart attack that he even advertised his own self on his own Harvard uh, book resume that he was born in Kenya. So you say, what does this have to do with Schaefer Cox, right? So the point I would make is around the 2010, 2012 area, um, Obama, you know, he had already appointed Eric Holder as uh, attorney general. He had already appointed uh, Karen Loeffler as Alaska attorney general. Not only that, but targeting the enemies of Obama, as well as Senator Ted Stevens fell into that category. Uh, Senator Ted Stevens, if anybody's familiar with the story of uh, how he was targeted with bribery and fraudulent charges, many of you may remember during that time frame, there was a lexicon sent out by the Department of Justice and Homeland Security regarding domestic terrorists. And they were identified as Ron Paul supporters, sovereign citizens, people who really believed the Constitution was the highest law of the land. You could go through this list and you could basically check off, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's Schaefer Cox, that's my friend, you know, and uh, that lexicon was sent out to, I think, to the Missouri State Police, if I'm not mistaken, but it might have been sent out to a larger group in America. And during that same time frame, Senator Ted Stevens was uh, targeted. And there was a book written about the entire situation with Senator Ted Stevens regarding a corrupt Department of Justice uh, group of prosecutors. These prosecutors by name are Joseph W. Botini, James Gokey, and there was a slew of others. Uh, and they reported directly to Eric Holder and, and uh, Karen Loeffler, the Alaska State Attorney General. Well, this book outlines uh, how these prosecutors go about prosecuting innocent people. Senator Ted Stevens was caught up in that, and he actually lost his reelection bid. Senator Ted Stevens was the longest running Republican senator in United States history, and he lost his reelection bid because of these corrupt prosecutors that prosecuted him and withheld exculpatory evidence during the trial. There was a judge named Judge Sullivan did a disciplinary action upon these prosecutors, and there was a book written about it called License to Lie, Exposing Corruption in the Department of Justice. And keep in mind that these are people that were appointed by Obama after he became president of the United States, and Senator Ted Stevens was identified on the list as a political adversary of the administration. So if you read that book, you'll see 
how uh, our federal courts is a complete sham. And Sidney Powell, at the end of the book, uh, she says that she's lost faith in the entire judicial system that she spent her whole life serving. And uh, it's, it's quite an eye-opening book about the corruption in our Department of Justice. But the reason I bring Senator Ted Stevens' case up is because these same prosecutors that went after him and caused him to lose his reelection bid uh, are involved in the case of Schaefer Cox. Joseph W. Botini was involved in the initial prosecution of Schaefer Cox. They also did the same thing to Schaefer Cox that they did to Senator Ted Stevens. They withheld exculpatory evidence. There was over hundreds of hours of audio recordings. The amount of government informants that were sent in to collect you know, private uh, recordings of Schaefer thinking that he's just talking to a group of friends and a group of buddies, but ended up being over 200 hours of audio recordings that were sent to the Fed so they could cherry pick you know, things to, you know, to incriminate him. But they, they refused to play the parts where Schaefer said, I want to pull a Gandhi, not a Rambo. If you listen to the recording, and I've actually got this uploaded on my YouTube channel, he said he wanted to exercise every peaceful means possible. Uh, and so, yes, Schaefer did have inflammatory speech. He was a very inflammatory speech kind of guy in, in the same manner as our founders of this country. Thomas Jefferson said, you know, the tree of liberty must be fertilized from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. He also said that I prefer to live in troublesome freedom as opposed to peaceful slavery. Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, Schaefer Cox would give these speeches and thousands of people would come and listen to these speeches and they would cheer him as he spoke. And yes, he spoke inflammatory, but he would say things uh, that nothing was out of line with what the founders of this country would say about how important liberty is and, and that men of this country especially need to stand up and fight for our liberty and not just to be rolled over by a tyrannical government. But he was a very charismatic young man. Like, uh, like Maria said, he almost won. Uh, the election when, at a very young age on an incumbent that had been in there a long time. And so they had to shut him up. They had to shut this man up in Alaska and to stop his message. He was becoming, a, for lack of a better word, a rock star in Alaska uh, when it came to freedom and liberty and the Second Amendment and the programs that he was implementing. He wasn't just talk. He was, he was a man of action and he was getting things accomplished. And uh, they had to shut him up. And that's exactly what they did when they brought these charges against him. And they set him up with at least four government informants that came after him to try to uh, incriminate him with you know, trying to sell him dangerous uh, explosives, and he resisted that. The government informant had to go back to the FBI and said, this guy doesn't want to buy any unregistered explosives. And so eventually they felt like they had enough evidence to bring him to trial. But Schaefer's position is that during the time of his arrest that um, they attempted to kill him and they put drop weapons in his hand and they, they, they actually wanted to kill him. But a man, I think God Almighty, intervened in this situation and a stranger walked up to the car and forced the SWAT team to move in much earlier than they anticipated. We, we praise God for that. But we believe that God has a, a plan for Schaefer's life and it's not to sit in prison for 26 years. We need this man on the outside speaking the message of liberty that he's so good at speaking, and also to be reunited with his two beautiful children. Uh, when you read the writings of this man and when you listen to the speech, there's a one hour and 41 minute speech called the solution speech. It'll get you fired up, Sheila. This man knew how to motivate people when it came to the liberty of this country and how we're not just to be rolled over by tyranny and that especially the men of this country need to take a leadership position in fighting and standing up against these evil bastards. But Maria, uh, maybe you can fill in some things where I may have missed, but I, I wanted to cover this polar pin team and this corrupt Department of Justice prosecutors that did go after him. And they have a history. It's not like Schaefer's making this up for his particular case. 
Uh, there's multiple cases where these particular group of prosecutors has been charged with with withholding exculpatory evidence. But I'll pause there. And Maria, is there anything you care to add to what I've just stated? I was just looking at some of the letters that I've gotten from Schaefer, and he talks about this, um, the reason why the Obama administration wanted to take out Ted Stevens. If everybody would just go back in their minds about what was going on about this time, about 2008, there were three political stars in the conservative movement in Alaska at the time. Uh, Sarah Palin, before anyone knew who she was, Joe Miller, and Schaefer Cox. And they were really bringing a lot of people into, at that time, into the Republican Party. And so Ted Stevens looked like he was going to be reelected, but he was the chair of the Finance Committee. So he could have stopped Obamacare. And so um, Schaefer says, this was a letter from September 5th, 2014. Here's the deal on Senator Mark Baggage. Stevens didn't lose a fair election. The Obama administration wanted Democrats to have a filibuster-proof Senate, so they cheated on the Alaska election to get the seats they needed. Stevens was the chair of the Finance Committee, so he could stop any bill from the House or Senate, including Obamacare. He had to go. So they did target him. They took him out, and Mark Baggage came in, uh, won the election in Alaska, and Obamacare was passed. Once that happened, Ted Stevens' name was cleared. They took care of the problem. And so these people have a history of taking care of political problems this way. My letter to the congressional delegation, because earlier Sheila had alluded to um, what kind of political action do we need, what kind of, you know, what kind of efforts do we need to make, and some of these efforts had been made from the very beginning. We've contacted all the political folk and they're not interested. They're not interested in getting involved in some, in Shaver Cox. And I can talk more about that later, but I wanted to talk about this Department of Homeland Security. That report in 2009 was called Right-Wing Extremism current economic and political climate fueling resurgence in radicalization and recruitment. This is what's so scary. Right now, today, this is the agenda. Rudy posted a, a video or an audio of, of a letter that Schaefer wrote a few days ago. And he talks about how important his case is to all of us because they're not just coming for him they're trying to normalize the fact that you're not going to be able to believe a certain way. You're not going to be able to be an unapologetic Christian without suffering a great deal of political targeting. What is Sarah Palin doing about this? What is any high profile, you know, whether it's a governor, what are they doing? Why is this falling on deaf ears for one thing? And what is he actually being charged with? What are the actual terms of that? Maria, please explain that. I've got a list of, he calls it the laundry list, and this is a rundown that Schaefer sent a while back. They sound bad, but then I'll read you the explanation. It's absolutely outrageous. Count one, conspiracy to possess unregistered silencers, five years. Count two, possession of unregistered destructive devices, 10 years. Count three, possession of an unregistered silencer, 10 years. Count four, possession of an unregistered machine gun, 
10 years. Count five, illegal possession of machine gun, 10 years. Count six, making a silencer, 10 years. Count 10, possession of unregistered destructive device, 10 years. Count 12, conspiracy to murder officers and employees of the United States, 27 years. The reason why every American who has guns never will be sitting in there is because they don't have the political, the wherewithal to do what Schaefer had the wherewithal to do. He could have changed the political climate of the entire country. He was just brilliant. I, and don't take my word for it. Go to his website, uh, freeschaefercox.com, and listen to his speech. It's called The Solution. He talked to crowds of hundreds and hundreds of people. What do you think, really, he's in jail for, yourself personally? He's just a political prisoner. I'm, I'm going to repeat something Maria said, and it's, it's going to sound like a bold statement. Maybe she overstated it, but I don't think she overstated it one little bit. <laughs> Schaefer Cox could have changed the political climate of this entire country, and that's why he's in prison. He was that powerful. When this man spoke, he would make people feel chill bumps about when he spoke about the Constitution. He exposed the evilness of the Federal Reserve. And you add that to it, he spoke about the Second Amendment and how important that amendment is. He got people fired up, Sheila. And uh, when Maria said he, will, he could have changed the political climate of this country, not only could he, but when he gets out, which I believe God has a plan for him to get out, I believe he still can and he will. And uh, we're not going to let them uh, keep our brother in bonds incarcerated for 26 years. We're going to just absolutely, like Gideon's army, make a lot of noise and shine a lot of light. And uh, one of the proof that they had to shut up his message, Sheila, is they put him in a CMU prison. And we haven't got into the details of that, but that's a prison to specifically manage his communications. It's specifically a prison that, first of all, is illegal. And second of all, it's to, it's to stop the message of the prisoner from getting out to the public because it is so politically dangerous. They are keeping him in a CMU prison. There's only two in the United States of America. One of them is in Marion, Illinois. It's called a communications management unit. The only other CMU on American soil is in Terre Haute, Indiana. There's a man by the name of Will Potter who's devoted a great deal of his life exposing these prisons. He's got a YouTube video and a TED Talks and if anybody cares to watch it, the title of that video is called The Secret Prisons You Have Never Heard Of. Sheila, there's also uh, something I want to cover in regards to CMU prisons, the torture that goes on in these CMU prisons. But before I forget, Sheila, when Maria talks, she talks as a native Alaskan. And, and keep in mind, Schaefer Cox is very well known in Alaska. And she's been supporting Schaefer Cox for five to six years, even longer, because she was a friend of Schaefer before he got thrown in prison. So we praise God for Maria. But I got I to gotta speak as a Texan, Sheila. I did not even know the name of Schaefer Cox until about four or five months ago. Once I found out the name of Schaefer Cox and I looked into it and saw his speech, my entire uh, life hasn't been the same and my wife's life hasn't been the same because we feel so strongly about the injustice done to this young man. But I would ask your audience, as they hear us talk about Schaefer Cox, why have they not heard about Schaefer Cox before? Because they've put him in a CMU prison for three and a half years in Marion, Illinois. They moved him out into general population for a short time, but he started to communicate through letters and they have like a core links email system and they moved him back to CMU prison in order to shut him up again. His political message is so dangerous to tyranny that they have to shut him up. But the point I wanna make Sheila regarding that particular prison and, and why it's so illegal, I would hope that your audience would agree with me that there's no place in the Christian doctrine 
for state-sponsored torture. We can argue about the death penalty, and I happen to be in support of the death penalty for certain heinous crimes, but there's no place in the Christian doctrine or in American morals for state-sponsored torture. There's a video of a man who actually, uh, he's a Muslim man. His name is uh, Hakeem Abdul Shahid. Okay, the majority of people in these political prisons in, in Terre Haute, Indiana and Marion, Illinois are Muslims. Them, like I would say, maybe 85 to 95 percent of them are Muslims. He has got out of one of the prisons and he talks about his experience of being tortured in that prison. And it's about a 30 minute video. And as I watched it, I cried. I may not have a lot in common and I'm, I may not worship the same God as Muslims do. But I'll tell you what, I don't support state sponsored terror for any religious person for any person on the face of this planet. It, there's no place in it in America. And uh, if anybody thinks that there is, uh, you know, I, I don't share those uh, that belief system. And, and it's going on today. And I would say in Auschwitz, do you think the people in the town of Auschwitz, do you think that they were knew what was going on in these death camps? Well, I would say it's our job to tell them if we believe that we have evidence of what's going on in these CMU prisons. When I talked about this illegal foreign coup, Obama has appointed Karen Loeffler, the Alaska Attorney General. He has appointed Eric Holder, who was the Attorney General. He also appointed Loretta Lynch. He also appointed the Bureau of Prisons Director, Charles E. Samuels Jr., which is a division of the Department of Justice, and they do the Department of Justice bidding. And oh, by the way, these two CMU prisons are run by the CIA. The CIA has no uh, authority to operate on American soil. And guess who is running the director of CIA? Another Ob Obama appointee, John Brennan. If you guys remember back in 2008, there was a passport break-in. The passport records, which were trying to be kept very secret by Obama because it could have showed uh, his uh, citizenship status as well as many other things that people were interested in. Guess who helped Obama out in the 2008 passport break-in? It was John Brennan. And then later on, John Brennan gets promoted to CIA director. I'm telling you, we have an illegal foreign coup in this country, and they have targeted men like Schaefer, and uh, it's our duty and our responsibility to stand up to this and to say the truth regardless of the consequences. I praise God that there are some people that are, and I thank you for allowing us again to, to tell his story on air. Well, I think the important point, too, when there's a Christian brother in trouble, you know, when the gays have an issue, the sodomites will swoop in like a swarm of mad locusts, but when there's Christians in trouble, it's crickets chirping. <laughs> I really want to stress that point because I think, you know, they're trying to outlaw Christianity in this nation. And I that's a very, very serious thing that's happening. The persecution, I think, is really what we're talking about here. And I really want to make this known that Schaefer Cox has not had a fair run. You said the word justice, Rudy. There's nobody above the law. And yet, look what's going on. I mean, we see the trail of dead bodies from Mao Zedong in a skirt. And I'm calling her what she is. If she's even a real human, well, that's a whole other show. But I'm telling you what, there is a time for people to step up to the plate and do something. What can people that are listening to this program, do we get a hold of Sarah Palin? What can we do, Maria, you know, not only to make some noise, we'll see what we can do over at Alex Jones, but I want to know what we can do as a, a group of Christians to help Schaefer Cox. You asked that question, what are these uh, big-name folks doing? And and so far, Sarah Palin hasn't done anything at all. Maybe she will, because now the information is out. This whole thing came down every single day for, I don't know, maybe three or four months. He was the front-page story in our 
only paper here in the interior. So he just very, very quickly became persona non grata and no political person wanted to touch him with a 10-foot pole. And it's really, really sad to me and it's been really awful because I was active here in Fairbanks and we had thousands of people joining us to try to do something. You know, these are Christians, as long as it didn't get in the way of their lives. But as soon as Schaefer was arrested, it seemed like the whole community abandoned him. And um, there just aren't very many people here that will even have a conversation about him. So I think it would be great to get a hold of Sarah Palin. I think it would be great to get a hold of, of Alex Jones and ask him to, to air some of this information. And then Rudy's got a ton of ideas. I just post posted them on Facebook today and he posted them to the media contacts. But Rudy, why don't you why don't you give some of your your talks? No, absolutely. And we want we want to refer people to the website, uh, make sure they know where to go get information. Uh, there is a website put together called freeshafercox.com and that's a good starting point. Uh, but I don't want to let this go either Sheila and if I could just quickly make a point about uh, abandoning our brothers when the state has labeled them a criminal. Uh, and I know you both uh, love the Word of God, and I've, I've got the Word of God open to Matthew chapter 22, and it's a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith, right? Uh, the lawyer asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And if I could read Matthew 22, 37, because this is so applicable to Schaefer Cox, and it's so applicable to the fundamentals of, of just the Christian faith and what we're supposed to do uh, when our brothers get in trouble. But uh, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law. It doesn't say thou shalt love thy neighbor until the state calls him a criminal and then run away from him and never mention his name again. Hebrews 13.3 tells us to remember our brothers in bonds as if they were ourselves. Amen. We're commanded by our Bible, uh, which is uh, our instruction book from God Almighty, to love our brother, love our neighbor as ourselves. And we have failed miserably. It's, it's a terrible shame uh, the Christian community is abandoning people when they get labeled as criminals. But going back to your specific question, what can people do? They can go to freeshafercox.com website. They can also write Schaefer a letter in prison, and his prison address is on that website. And I would say if anybody has any questions as they're educating themselves about Schaefer's case, Schaefer wants the truth to get out. He often says, when the truth gets out, so will I. So please write to him. He, uh, we encourage people to write to him in prison. We encourage people to um, educate themselves about his website. And then they can also donate. Uh, Schaefer Cox currently has a public defender. Many times that's referred to as a public pretender. I hope that's not the case in Schaefer's particular case. His name is Michael Filipovic. I don't know him personally, but we pray for Michael Filipovic. We pray for both of those individuals that are working on Schaefer's behalf. And we pray that God directs their path in the legal jungle that, you know, uh, that they have to manipulate. So his appeal date, I believe, is coming up in October, and Schaefer does need funds, and he needs le good legal representation. And that's something that I feel woefully lacking in. But if others, if that's their area of expertise, we pray that you write to Schaefer and ask him uh, what he needs in that area. And uh, there is several ways you can donate. One way is through fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R. Just type in the name Schaefer Cox, and you'll see a, a fundraiser legal defense fund. And you can also uh, donate through Western Union. Uh, and uh, you can also donate by sending a check or money order to his uh, commissary account for various legal purposes and fighting uh, for his appeal. 
Schaefer seems hopeful. My opinion is that it's it's uh, not it's not all that good. So let me see if I have this right. Right now he has a lawyer, but not a good one. It's it's a typical public defender who considers it a job rather than a passion, and uh, I think he could absolutely use better legal defense. That's that's my opinion about the matter. Maria, what's your comment on that, ma'am? Well, he's he does have the public defender that got three of the guys that were convicted along with Ted Stevens out um, and it's the very same issues that he wants to raise. Uh, we know that this public defender has raised these issues before uh, and that is that the corrupt prosecutors withheld exculpatory evidence so all the evidence that would be favorable to Schaefer and is a part of the elements of these crimes that he was he was uh, convicted of. So if those tapes, the the tapes were able to be played for the jury, then they'd be, be able to see that he wasn't in a frame of mind ever to commit any kind of violence. His interest was really mostly the money system, but he got into um, creating a Second Amendment task force and, and doing things that the people in Alaska were really interested in. Get into that a little bit more, what you know about these trumped up charges. Yeah, okay, I was hoping you'd come back to that. Um, this uh, conspiracy to possess unregistered silencers was the informant trying to sell him a silence 22 and Schaefer said no thanks, I don't want to buy it. Uh, at that point he just wanted to get out of the country and so it was offered to him by a government informant trying to entrap him into a crime. Uh, he was convicted of that. Um, possession to uh, uh, possession of an unregistered de de destructive device. Uh, it says four grenades. These were not real grenades. They were cast iron replicas. Um, he had them in a, a, a box labeled gun show box and he had holsters and cleaning kits and old magazines and miscellaneous type of stuff and uh, basically they were the kind of little replicas of grenades that you'll you'll see on somebody's desk with a pen in it or uh, things like that. The unregistered silencer that they convicted him of was a homemade silencer made out of a rubber hose. The unregistered machine gun charge, this is a homemade replica of a Sten machine gun that he made himself. Says it looked good on the mantle but it never would fire properly and he and a friend of mine and several other guys went down to the local ATF office alcohol tobacco and firearms and they asked if he needed to get the two hundred dollar tax stamp and he has witnesses that the uh, ATF told him that he didn't need a, the tax stamp because he built it and he was leaving it you know just it was just kind of a a fun project to do and it wasn't anything that they said that he needed a tax stamp on. The reason the jury didn't get an instruction on this was because of his his attorney at the time was ineffective and he let that go without getting the um, jury instruction on it. Well Rudy you can attest to this when I was in Texas and spent some time with Rudy and his wife Erin I was sitting on their couch with an AR-15 a pink one of his wife's I have that picture on social media, so maybe I'm next. You know, 
I mean, this is really disturbing because every good God-fearing Bible-loving Christian in America that supports the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment is not in case the deer rise up against us. So I'm really concerned that, you know, we're going to start being targeted. God-fearing gun owners are really going to start being... I mean, Rudy, I've seen your 50 cal. You're in trouble too, pal. <laughs> we, we, we count it all joy to suffer shame for the name of the Lord Jesus. But let me say this, Sheila. Uh, we're moving into an area of thought crime in America today. And... Uh, there was no injured party in Schaefer Cox's case. They never even had like any particular date where he was going to do all of these mass murders that they claimed he was planning on doing. And in actuality, when multiple government informants had come after him, and keep in mind, Sheila, and this is not an exaggeration of what I'm about to say. One of the government informants, his name was Gerald J.R. Olson. He ran drugs for Hell's Angels. They asked him on the stand what he expected to get paid for his work on the Schaefer Cox case. And keep in mind that Gerald J.R. Olson was facing his own uh, sentences, which would have sent him up, up the river for the rest of his life. He said, I expect to get paid $300,000 for my work on the Schaefer Cox case. This is one government informant. And uh, he collected hundreds of hours of uh, secret recordings where Schaefer thought he was talking to a trusted friend. This is the kind of people that are sent in to, and keep in mind that Gerald J.R. Olson, he had an incentive to uh, set up and frame Schaefer Cox. And so it's horrific the amount of effort and the amount of money and the amount of resources that were put behind sending in government informants to uh, entrap Schaefer Cox. Another government informant was uh, Bill Fulton. Bill Fulton on the witness stand admitted, you know, lunging at Schaefer's friend, threatening his life, Many people testified that he had a knife in his hand at the time and he was going to cut somebody's throat if Schaefer did not come up with a plan. The plan that he was talking about was a plan to go kill judges and Schaefer said, I don't have a plan, right? And so they constantly were trying to goad Schaefer into acts of violence and Schaefer was dismissing these people like, who are these crazy people? At the time, he did not know they were government informants. And let's analyze what Schaefer did at the very end. At the very end, the actions of Schaefer, he, he, he gathered his family, he left a, a thriving business, and he was trying to get out of the state of Alaska. He was trying to leave. He, he wanted to get away from these crazy people who were constantly trying to goad him into acts of violence, uh, specifically Bill Fulton and Gerald J.R. Olson. And that's where we are with this thought crime. They do not have an injured party. There was no specific plan to murder any specific person. They just have all of these inflammatory uh, speeches that he gave about how the government needs to be held accountable. And that's what they had against him. And they made a big show trial. And I would offer you this, Sheila. I don't know if you've ever read the book um, Pilgrim's Progress, but there's a chapter called Vanity Fair. And uh, the pilgrims, pilgrims Christian and faithfulness, are, are traveling on their journey. And they go through the city of Vanity Fair. And the lord of Vanity Fair happens to be Beelzebub. And Beelzebub comes down because there's such a commotion as these two pilgrims are going through the city. They, ha they have a trial. And in that trial, they convict both Christian and faithfulness, and faithfulness is martyred. Pilgrim's Progress, I'm told it's the most read book in the entire world, with the exception of the Holy Bible. That is what happened at Schaefer Cox's case. They did a show trial, and when, when uh, Maria talks about this Sten machine gun, it sounds horrific. Oh, he had a machine gun. It was a replica. It never fired properly. The prosecution put on a video in front of the jury, not of Schaefer's machine gun. There was no evidence that his machine gun ever fired uh, in, in a fully automatic way. 
but they put in another machine gun and they fired it in slow motion. <laughs> they made this dramatic effect of this machine gun firing in slow motion as if it was some horrific, horrendous thing uh, to own a replica machine gun that did not even work fully automatic. And what they did in that show trial is exactly what happened in Pilgrim's Progress. They should be ashamed of themselves. Well, I happen to own that book by John Bunyan. I'll tell you what, that's an amazing book. And second of all, I am just stunned because if you think about, again, Second Amendment supporters in the United States, everyone should be fearful that they could be Schaefer Cox at any time, really. And thought crime, I just talked about that yesterday on my show with Patrick Wood. We had a show entitled Robo Crook, and that's exactly what it was about, this, this whole thought crime that's really coming fast and furious. This is Minority Report meets 1984, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, one thing that's kind of brings it all together, the um, aspect of being a Christian and being targeted and being a Second Amendment proponent and being targeted, is that at the sentencing hearing, the government prosecutor asked for a longer sentence. He explained why he asked for such a long sentence in this, even though there was no no crime committed. They actually talked during the trial about what could happen. They speculated on a future scenario about what Schaefer was capable of doing because he had lots of guns and ammunition. It was actually an element of the crime. It was considered an overt act in furtherance of this agreement to conspire was the stockpiling of owning guns and ammunition and when you know they obviously hadn't done anything there was no place for the government to go and they still asked for a 26-year sentence and the reason for doing so on the part of the prosecutor was that Schaefer believes that God's law is higher than man's law and the prosecutor said to the judge People like that just can't be uh, trained out of those beliefs. The silence is deafening, and I want to get your reaction in the waning moments of really what listeners need to take away on this program. No, amen, Sheila, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll go first. If, uh, but I'll, let me just quickly say regarding what Maria said in the closing arguments, Stephen Scrocky, the prosecutor at Schaefer Cox's case, said that Schaefer believes that God's law is higher than man's law. And because he holds that sort of religious belief, he's unable to be rehabilitated, and therefore he needs to spend a longer time in prison. I'm guilty of that. I would hope that all Christians believe that God's law is higher than man's law. And it's absolutely horrific. Uh, and Schaefer is in prison because the Christian community has remained silent. And we do need to uh, make noise and shine light. And I believe that once uh, people start to wake up and get uh, loud, and, and shiny about this case that we can get him out of there and they will be uh, forced to let Schaefer go. But if I could just read a quick uh, quote by Larry Pratt, he's the executive director of the Gun Owners of America. Many of your audiences may know him. And here's a quote that he said on Schaefer Cox. This is in regards to thought crime. Schaefer Cox is an example of the tyrannical grip of the federal government has on the people and their thoughts. There is no injured party. There was no crime. At what point has the overreaching grip of the federal government gone too far? If someone does not think the way the federal government wants them to or challenges the policies, the person is considered a threat. There was no injured party in the case of Schaefer Cox. He was not 
uh, a threat to any particular person, nor was he planning to murder anybody. And you don't put somebody in prison uh, because they speak like our founders and they speak strongly about the Constitution, the Second Amendment. He exposed the Federal Reserve. He was holding his local police accountable. I would also offer, offer this as well, Sheila. If anybody wants to investigate the topic of thought crime, look up the case. There's an HBO documentary on Gilberto Valley. It's called The Case of the Cannibal Cop. Gilberto Valley got on the internet and said some horrific things. He even like made deals with people and used police uh, computers to look up the locations of his supposed victims. He never committed any crimes, but he, on, when he was online, he talked about the horrific things that he wanted to do to them. And I don't even want to mention it on your show because it, in the Bible it says it is a shame to talk about what the reprobates do want to do. But he, he, he was, it, it was about cannibalism and, and inflicting pain. Well, he went to trial and he was convicted, but the judge said because it was all fantasy and it was all in his mind, he set Gilberto Valley free because he said it was a thought crime and he, there was never any real reason to believe he would have actually done that. Now, in Schaefer's case, we have a Christian, a Christian who's speaking up for liberty, speaking up for biblical founding principles, and they don't set him free because he's too dangerous of a political uh, adversary. So I would say that we, we're not supposed to put people in prison for thought crimes, but they absolutely do. It's horrific. And uh, I pray that we do come together and we do love our brother and we do love our neighbor as ourselves. And Schaefer has two beautiful children that he hasn't seen in over six years except for one visit. And he needs to see them a lot more than that. They do have a small group of people that has supported him. But I, I ask your listeners, have they heard about Schaefer Cox all over the country? It's been crickets because they've suppressed his message. And so praise God for the people in Alaska. But in Texas, we haven't heard about him until just recently. I'm surprised they even gave him any time in the local newspapers. Those are getting bought up in a fury. And I can't even get anything in my own local newspapers. Hats off to Alaska for even publishing anything because a lot of these little mom and pop newspapers are also getting bought up by the big corporations. And I'm telling you what, folks, this is exactly what we saw with the Third Reich going after the media. We know they're going after the internet and tinfoil hat conspiracy Christian kooks like Sheila Zelinsky's show. Hillary's vowed on record to go after anyone that's deplorable, you know, Islamophobic, homophobic, racist, bigoted haters, you know, like myself that believe that Donald Trump can actually maybe give this country a reprieve, make America great again. Imagine that. Oh, right. You mean the America that never was. He's going to restore an America that no longer exists. I'm sorry, Hillary, did you mean an America that didn't put up with unscrupulous charlatans like you? A Christian nation? A Christian nation with principles and morals? Is that the America that didn't exist? I'm not so sure. I heard you right there, Hillary Clinton, but that's a whole other show. But again, hats off to you, Maria, for the work that you have put into this the work that Rudy and Aaron have put into this. We saw what happened with Ken Hovind's case. We're definitely going to be sounding some alarm bells, and I've got that information linked there. I want every one of my listeners today to phone Sarah Palin's office, phone the governor of Alaska. Who else can we phone, Maria, that would be effective that I can link the number there? Probably the very best people to contact would be the Alaska senators, um, Murkowski and Sullivan and the Alaska House of Representatives, Don Young. They haven't done anything, but I think they realize that the winds of, uh, the political winds are changing now. The message is getting out. So they might want to jump in front of the parade, get, give him some notoriety, and help him to get out. Well, you've certainly done your part. It's disgusting to me that they have not done anything up to this place 
But Maria, you've been a certainly big help. Of course, Rudy and Aaron, it's just surprising that no one's really got behind him and supported him. Or does he have some supporters other than you folks? The person that's done the very most to help him get out of prison is Schaefer himself. And I hope people go to the his website and look at 50 reasons. He's written 50 reasons that he should be exonerated. I call them the Schaefer-Cox papers. And this will give people some real ammunition to, to use when they do make some phone calls. They need to be on, on solid ground when they're, they're calling and talking to these people about this. But really, the spokesperson, the point man up until now, it has been you, though, correct? It, it has been me. I have an organization called Alaskans for Liberty. We have raised money. There is a good legal defense fund. And we have gone around and around with a variety of attorneys. To tell you the truth, right at this time, we're just at a juncture where Schaefer doesn't have an attorney that he wants to hire. He wants to spend money on investigators. And at this moment in time, he, he is good with the public defender. But we need to be raising money so that when the time comes, he can hire a good team. Okay, give out the website one more time, Maria, please, for the folks. FreeSchaferCox.com. And it's important to spell it right. Uh, F-R-E-E-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Two Fs. Cox.com. He's named after Francis Schaefer. Okay, in the waning moments, final thoughts, Maria. I was just wanting to read something that Schaefer had written, and I think it's just beautiful and it kind of brings all this together please go to Rudy's YouTube channel he has hundreds and hundreds of videos he's done he's done the entire trial transcripts on his YouTube channel Lone Star 1776 you can really come up to speed on it just by watching that but Schaefer writes it is my hope that these kind of totalitarian measures that are designed to demoralize and humiliate the population will in the end have the opposite effect that they will in fact stir people's conscience at a deep level and that they would, in a great tradition of human valor and resilience, become the bearers of the sacred seeds of liberty. Pilgrims and frontiersmen, destined to re-explore and cultivate the territory that once belonged to our forefathers, a territory of intellectual freedom and self-ownership, territory that has all been all but forgotten for generations. The Second Amendment is at the heart of this struggle. It is the most hated by the oppressor and the most beloved by a free people. Mm, Very well said. Rudy Davis, final thoughts, sir. Thank you, uh, Sheila, and thank you, Maria. Uh, Final thoughts. I would reemphasize what Maria just said. People need to listen to Schaefer's own heart. People need to listen to Schaefer's own words to have a discernment and the uh, the spirit of the man. There's three videos that I would recommend. Uh, One of them is a video he just released in the past week after visiting his children for the first time in five and a half years. It's called Schaefer Cox, A Thought-Provoking Letter. If you can listen to that letter and not cry, I don't know how you did it, uh, because it's an absolutely incredible letter from a man who spent five and a half years in prison and not visited his children, and plus he exposes the Federal Reserve at the end of that letter. He wrote me a letter uh, when I first started communicating with him about four months ago. And we uploaded that video and we just basically read the letter into YouTube. The name of that video, if you want to find it and listen to it, is called Schaefer Cox, Inspiring Letter to Humanity from Prison. And I would ask that you go listen to those two videos 
And then if you want to listen to him talk about the Constitution and liberty, uh, you just have to search for Schaefer Cox, The Solution Speech. And it's about a one hour and 41 minute speech from uh, Montana. It'll tell you the real heart of the man. It's, rather than listen to Maria or I or Sheila talk about Schaefer Cox, listen to the man's own words and you determine if this is your brother in the Lord. And then I'll finish with this, Sheila, as, as far as my final thought. And that's uh, Hebrews 13, 3, because I love the word of God and I know you guys do too. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Amen, Rudy. You ended on a perfect note. Well, folks. Well, folks, let's make some noise about this case. At least get educated on it. Go today to WeCanVigilante.com. Click on that link. Again, that's FreeShaferCox.com. Folks, get informed on this. Maria, thank you for your dedication to Schaefer. Boy, if we could all have a friend like you when we get into trouble. And, of course, my incredible friends, Rudy and Aaron Davis, love you very much. Guys, thank you for shedding light on this just incredible story. And don't forget, folks, we could all be Schaefer Cox. Let's not forget that. I'm guilty of saying that God is a final authority. So all of us Christian conservative Second Amendment folks, we're getting targeted here. Like you said, thought crime. It's a complete sci-fi what is happening out there to conservative Christians. And we need to get behind our brothers, as Rudy so adequately stated there in Hebrews. We need to defend our Christian brothers not just crickets chirping when they get labeled as a criminal. Because guess what? I've been labeled as a criminal in the past, and you all know any of us at any moment could get swooped off and thrown in a CMU if we're a danger. And let's face it, anybody on the front lines that is a danger to the enemy, well, you're going to pay the price. How would you like it if your son or daughter was in jail today and nobody batted an eye? Just chew on that for a minute. Rudy Davis, Maria Rensel, thank you so much for coming on the program and shedding light on this incredible topic. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Sheila. Amen. And God bless you both. Folks, that was a Christian activist, Rudy Davis. And of course, Maria Rensel, Schaefer Cox spokesperson. All that information is linked on the bio today. Let's light up some phones. I want you to phone Sarah Palin's office. Let's get a hold of those senators and light some lines up, make their life a living hell for the next two months. I'm asking you guys listening Let's make some noise on this case. Get informed, too. That's the most important thing. Folks, I'm going to Texas as of tomorrow. We're having a nightmare with Amazon. You have no idea what's going on. Now I have to deal with their legal department. Too much to get into. But I'll tell you this much. If you want a copy of Power Prayers, we're bypassing Amazon for a while. Like I said, they've been showing the book unavailable, not in stock, no determinable date of shipping. And then people that are getting shipping dates are telling me that it's taken up to one in two months for them to get it. Listen, if you've ordered the book and you're getting told it's October, November shipping date, get a hold of me and I'll send you the email of the PDF, at least in the meantime, to get your physical book. If you go to powerprayers.ca, we've swapped out that link from Amazon with our publisher's link and you can simply click on that. Once you click on the link, if you scroll down, you'll see the ebook as well if you want to get that. Get both. Please do get a physical copy of this book, folks. This is a prayer book. Have a physical copy that you have on you. I know everybody's into their phone and scrolling around, but I like a physical copy of books. That's just me. So again, if you want a copy of Power Prayers, go to powerprayers.ca. Get the book there. You'll get it within three to five days. 
if you've already ordered at Amazon, you paid for the book. That's if you've paid for the book and you're getting weird dates, get a hold of me. And again, I'll give you the ebook version of it in the meantime, so you can start using the prayers right away. These are Bible-based, scripture-based prayers that are going to not just claim to change your life. They are. These prayers work. And I'm so looking forward to the testimonies. We'll see you when I get back from the Lone Star State. But I will be back on air September 26th. We'll see you then. God bless.